Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on. Well, it hasn't been for a few weeks here at THS, but we're back, everybody. Welcome to That Hockey Show. We didn't go nowhere. We just, you know, we figured we'd let the uh, regular season kind of play out a little bit, and we'd come back for Christmas time, and that's the NHL playoffs. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here on Long Island in the great state of New York. And today we'll have the boys back. Joey Yarden's coming back from Buffalo. Still probably rolling around laughing about the Eichel debacle in Vegas last night. <laughs> We're going to start right now. We're going to bring Mr. Tab Bamford from the great city of Chicago. My THS linemate here. And Tab, I got to ask you, how are things going on in sweet home Chicago? Well, we, uh, we are the city of broad shoulders. Uh, we are the city of many hopes and dreams. Uh, and we are here to piss on Vegas's potential parade. Oh. You know, the only thing that would have been better about last night's game is if the Hawks had not sold uh, at the deadline and it was Marc-Andre Fleury that eliminated Vegas yeah. from the playoffs. But, yeah. you know, I mean, look, the fact that the season went south the way that it did, the sell at the deadline, one of those acquisitions, Taylor Radish with two big goals for the Hawks last night. He's been a nice addition, some young defensemen playing well. Uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a tough year in Chicago in about every way humanly possible. On the ice, off the ice, lots of change, uh, lots of evolution, lots of you know re, rebuilding talk uh, since we were allegedly rebuilding two years ago and then spent like <laughs> drunken sailors last year. Um, but there, there are some things that you can be excited about, some things that you can build on. And you know what? To go out and win your last two games on home ice in a bad year, I don't care if you're the Chicago Blackhawks with some guys that have been there for a dynasty. I don't care if you're the Arizona Coyotes coming back from a three-goal deficit to make life miserable for Dallas last night. Um, if you can finish the season in front of your home crowd with a W, that's a beautiful thing. And the Hawks won their last two at the United Center, uh, so they'll finish it up with Buffalo and then uh, head to the golf courses. But uh, but it was, a, it was a good effort from the Blackhawks last night against the Vegas team that should have been desperate but couldn't avoid a shootout for a third straight game. So, you know, it's a uh, it, 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 real tough way to have your year end if you're Vegas. Uh, but you know what? As any good coach will tell you, it shouldn't have to wait for the last minute for that type of thing to be sorted out. And when yep. it does, if you can't muster a W, you don't deserve it anyway. So too bad yep. for Vegas. Go, yep. go, go, go home and enjoy the NFL draft this weekend. <laughs> yes, they will be able to get front row seats, no doubt about it. All right, let's just uh, let's stay there for a second uh, with Vegas and Chicago. Um, you know, we're laughing about it now, but I guess in the, in the I mean, there's so much going on in the storylines there in Vegas and where they go from here. I mean, you know, the rest of us can sit back and say, yeah, too bad. You know, now you got to taste. I mean, what they've only been around for like five years or whatever the heck it is. And 
you know, I mean, for an a expansion team that came in here and all the success they've had since they've started and the great talent they come in, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, boo-hoo. But, um, you know, the business side of things and the direction they went, and I don't know, you know, everybody goes through injuries and everything, but I guess my question to you, Tab, is <laughs> for a young expansion team like this, is, do they go into a rebuild? I mean, they've got Eichel now. Stone was obviously out. The goaltending situation is a sham there. Um, how do you look at Vegas going forward here? Is, does, does DeBoer stick around? They're, they're screwed. All right. Let's move on to Chicago then. Uh, no, I mean, look. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, um, look, we expect the cap to go up, what, a million dollars next year, so it's going to be 82.5. Um, you look at that roster and obligations on the books for next year. The Vegas Golden Knights have six forwards making at least five million dollars next year. That's a lot six of cash. Of, they have nine forwards right now on their active NHL roster, and I'm looking at cap friendly for those that like to keep score at home. So, uh, Brossois and Nolan Patrick currently on long-term injured reserve. Um, so their options potentially. Uh, so we're not including any of the numbers of guys that are on LTIR. Those are the two guys right now on LTIR that are signed through next year. Patrick, obviously, a forward at, at 1.2. But right now they're showing nine active forwards signed for 22-23 at $47.3 million. They are showing seven NHL contracts on the blue line next year. For 26, oh, shade under 26.5. And then they got Robin Leonard, and then they've got whatever the hell else they can figure out how they afford uh, in uh, in net. Um, Logan Thompson's got about 770000 due to him for the next three years. So you would assume, based on their cap situation, a bargain basement backup goalie is probably what you're going to end up getting stuck with. But, I mean, Riley Smith gone. We can't afford him anymore. Um, and so the question becomes, oh, and by the way, you know, not only do they have all of that money being spent, but they're 10.5 over the cap because of LTIR this year. So they, we have reached the point, the breaking point with them robbing Peter to pay Paul. They're over the, they're over the cap with nine forward, seven defensemen and two goalies signed for next year. I was back in Buffalo, five. basically just under a different uniform. Well, I mean, you know, as far as like the all out outlook on the situation there, you know, when you think about it, they still have some good pieces. They still have some guys that I think will entice other teams to make a trade. But you start wondering, I mean, let's kind of go through a math exercise here. If they need an entire fourth line of forwards and they need to come up with at least a million five in cap space just to get under it, much less be able to have enough room to add that fourth line. Let's say that they need to cut $8 million off for next year. Who is taking a 32-year-old Alec Petrangelo at 8.8 per for five more years? Nobody. Hmm. Uh, I don't think you trade your captain, Mark Stone, who's making 9.5 per for six more years. Obviously, Eichel's in it to win it, so he's going to hang around. So then you start backing off to, so which other pieces do you actually move? you got one more year of patches at seven. He's 33 years old. That would be a that would be a pretty significant dump if if Pacioretty was the guy that they moved. 
William Carlson's got six more at 5.9. I, 29 years old, I, I would imagine that they do everything in their power to keep him. So then you start looking at, you know, that $5 million club, which guys are, are would they actually move that they could theoretically stomach? Uh, they already tried to trade Dadnoff. We've got one more year at five. Obviously, the limited no trade kicked in, so Anaheim's out. So do they find a new home for him? That's five. You probably got to come up with a couple more. And I think probably the most tradable guy on that roster, other than Dadnoff, you're looking at probably Shea Theodore who's 26, and he's got three more at 5.2. But that undermines your blue line significantly. Uh, so for me, you know, you're looking at probably uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, who's got two more at five, and Dadnoff, who's got one more at five. That's your $10 million that you need to get off the books for 22-23 to have at least enough wiggle room to be able to field a decent roster. Um, which, if they move those two guys, look, they're good players can be really hard to replace them for a million or two each but at least you know they have some value and you might be able to bring something back for that but no they're they're in a really tough spot and when you don't when you're that top heavy with that many guys it doesn't give you much wiggle room to survive injuries and that's what killed them this year stone missed a lot of time patches missed time eichel obviously was acquired and didn't join the team immediately riley smith has been MIA, Robin Leonard, obviously massive disappointment with the health issues. And I think the play probably left a lot to be desired if we're honest too. So when I say they're screwed, it's because they've got a lot of money and they've got multiple years left on most of it. So if you, if you're not going to dip into that stone patch, you're ready, Petrangelo leadership group. Um, you know, it, you'd start getting into a really tough spot where you can't avoid injuries uh, in the National Hockey League, and you can't afford to have big ones like they did this year. And for me, you know, I, I'm not putting any of this on Pete DeBoer because he was handed a roster that had significant flaws and didn't stay healthy. Um, and, you know, we've talked about the New York Islanders on previous shows. They didn't do anything at the deadline to blow that thing up. Um, and it looks like the Islanders are taking this year as a one-off and trying to play forward with some of the pieces that they have figuring we went to two straight conference finals. We just have to get healthy, get right and, and move forward with what we've got. Cause we still believe in it. That can't be the case in Vegas. Um, I think they've got to have questions about Leonard. And you, if, if you don't move a lot of money, you're going to have Leonard and an unproven kid again next year. So, um, you know, I don't know that there's a market for Alec Martinez at 35 years old for two more at five and a quarter. Um, but you're going to have to move two of your $5 million players realistically. And Dadnoff has already vetoed one. So rocking a hard place here. I think DeBoer is in a tough spot. I feel for him. We've joked about him in the past about, you know, it seems like everywhere he goes, he's got a lightning in a bottle year one, and then the wheels completely fall off yeah, and the house yeah. catches on fire. But um, look, they, they made a calculated bet on Jack Eichel. Um, they made a calculated significant financial investment in Mark Stone, and now they're going to pay for it. And realistically, you know, we've talked about other teams that were really going for it this year, like the Rangers that have big money kicking in with new contracts next year for a couple young guys that sure as hell earned them. Um, but you've, you've reached D-Day for them financially, and it didn't work out. And so they're going to have really hard decisions to make. And I don't know that they necessarily have to burn this thing to the ground, 
but they're going to have to move a couple significant pieces just to afford a roster next year. Yeah. Now, like you originally said, they're screwed, and it's the truth, and um, I wouldn't want to be in that front office here the next uh, in the offseason here. But one way or the other, they got to make it work. It's, they, they built their own ship here, and they've got to dismantle it and put it back together. Flipping over to your squad, the Hawks, obviously a very interesting season for them. I want to talk some Kyle Davidson here with you, Derek King, as far as, you know, Taze, uh, Kane here, what you have, how things kind of played out since the trade deadline, uh, which you, you know, talked about a little bit in the beginning here. And, and what do the Blackhawks do here uh, in the offseason? And, and what kind of a grade do you give them since Davidson take, took over here? And I guess the big question is, uh, we were kind of joking a little bit on Twitter the other day, and rumors of like Rick Tockett, and, you know, where, where do you see what happens here with the head coaching job? Uh, lot, lots to unpack. So first of all, with the head coaching job, Tuckett's name has been mentioned by a number of folks, both publicly and privately. Um, I do think the Blackhawks are in need of someone that's got more NHL head coaching experience than what Derek King has. Uh, nothing against Derek King. I, I would grade him as, as a CC plus, um, he was given a roster that had a lot of it's it's been the island and misfit toys uh, really all year, lots of injuries to deal with. You've had some concussion problems right now. Connor Murphy is one of their mainstays on the blue lines out. Dehan is out. Looks like his time in Chicago is coming to a close. Taves has missed some action. Tyler Johnson missed a lot of action. You've been underwhelmed by Dominic Kubalik. You've been underwhelmed by Henrik Borgstrom. You've been, really disappointed in what you've gotten out of Kirby Doc, which is something that I'll touch on. Um, but uh, Taylor Radish has been a really nice addition uh, in the trade for uh, Hagel with Tampa. Boris Kachuk looks like he could be a player. And like this is the kind of stuff that if you're, if you're looking at getting into a rebuild, uh, you want to have some younger players that need an opportunity that you think have some upside and give them the opportunity to go out and prove it. And, since the deadline, Radish has got 10 points, and he's been hitting people left and right. And this is a guy that put up big numbers in junior. Uh, he happened to be on a line with Erie uh, when he put up those big numbers with uh, Dylan Strom and Alex Debrinkit, coincidentally. Uh, so you've got a little bit of a connection there. Um, but this is going to be a very interesting offseason for a number of reasons in Chicago. Because first and foremost, you have a, a rookie general manager going into an offseason where he'll be in charge of the draft and he'll be in charge of who comes and goes and working the trade wires. And I think that he did very well at the deadline. I'd give him a, a solid B at the deadline. He's going to have some pieces to play with at the draft. The Hawks don't have a fourth or a fifth this year, or they're one, assuming they don't win the first or second pick in the lottery because of the uh, pick that they traded to Columbus in the Seth Jones deal is only top two protected this year. And I'm assuming that the Blackhawks are going to end up outside of the top two for the sake of this conversation. And just the math works out that it's going to be hard for them to win anyway. But they've got two in the second, and they've got three in the third. And one of those twos, if, if Minnesota ends up getting to the conference final and Marc-Andre Fleury's their number one, that could slide into a one this year. Uh, but I think the way Talbot's playing, I, I'm, we'll leave that at a two for right now because there's a lot of moving pieces that need to fall into place for that to, to move up. But So they got five picks in the second and third round combined. So they've got some ammunition to use if they want to 
get active in the trade market or just adding bodies. And frankly, they need to add bodies because this organization does not have a lot of good forward depth coming. Um, they've got some big decisions to make up with some of their free agents. They've got some RFAs up front that are intriguing. Um, Kubalik should be gone. He came out and he was a Calder finalist as a rookie, and then he's just gone backwards dramatically the last couple years. I think there was maybe some upside there. Maybe they get something for his RFA rights, but coming off a deal at 3.7, he's not a $4 million player. He's probably a two-and-a-half to three-and-a-quarter player who might work in the right situation in a third-line role and some power play minutes. So I think he's gone. Um, the big question is, what do you do at center? Because you've got two guys that, for varying reasons, could or should or were expected to be centerpieces moving forward in Dylan Strome and Kirby Dock that are RFAs this summer. Uh, Dylan Strome was in the doghouse of Jeremy Colton, couldn't get out of the press box. They made the coaching change. He played a little bit better. Derek King sat him down one more time to get his act together, and since he came back, he's been brilliant. Mm -hmm. He has looked like the guy that was the third overall pick. Uh, since the 1st of March, Dylan Strome has 12 goals and 14 assists. And on a bad team, a plus five rating in 27 games. So he's effectively been a point per game guy. You've listened to me for a couple of years on this show, bitch, about the fact that he can't win faceoffs. And that's been what's holding him back. He's been averaging 20 and a half minutes a game and winning 51% of his faceoffs in those 27 games since March 1st. Wow. Big time. That's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want in a, in a one or two at the dot is 51% point per game guy giving you 20 minutes. Perfect. God bless. Jonathan Taves, 18 points in 27 games since March 1st, winning almost 60% of his faceoffs. He's actually third in the National Hockey League for centermen who have taken at least 200 draws, um, winning 60% of his faceoffs. So you've got a couple centers there. So the question becomes, what do you? So how much does Strom get if you're buying him as a point per game guy? He's been volatile for the Blackhawks. He's been there's lots of ups and downs. He crushed it when he was acquired in the Nick Schmaltz deal and then took a step back. And I would submit that that step back was because Jeremy Colton was a dumpster fire of a head coach. <laughs> and you've seen since Derek King took over that he's been put in a role. Now, granted, when you're playing with the Brinkett, who's a 41-goal scorer, and Patrick Kane, who's 91 points, 92 points, you know, if you've got a 90-point guy and a 40-goal guy in your line, you should be a point-per-game center. So let's just be real there. But he's been better, and he's won 51% of his faceoffs, and that's what I asked. And he's done that, and he's 25 years old. So what does he get? And then what do you see? what's the future for Kirby Doc? He was a third overall pick. He's 21 years old. He's got a big body. Obviously, the cliche is that you can't teach size. Um, but is he a center? I don't think he is. I think he's a winger, and he's going to be probably a pass-first winger. But I, we've seen flashes that there's something there. And again, he's 21 years old. So I think both of them are back. And then it's well, how do you fill in the gaps around it? Um, and there's going to have to be a lot of movement on the blue line to make room for some guys that have maybe earned an opportunity. And that's where you start looking at how does this team maybe accelerate that rebuild? And you've heard Patrick Kane and Tyler Johnson and Seth Jones and Jonathan Taves all in their quasi end of year in Chicago media availability talk about Rebuilds don't have to take five years. You know, if we play our cards right, if Kyle Davidson plays his cards right, this thing could turn relatively quickly. And for everything that I said about the front uh, area of the future looking 
like it needs some help either via trade or the draft. It needs an injection of some energy and, and some skill. The blue line's bloated in Chicago. They've got, I think, 13 defensemen under contract for next year. And they've got some young guys that have really impressed. Alex Vlasic and Alec Regula are both young guys who've gotten a lot of run down the stretch here. Uh, they've both been 20-minute-a-game guys for the last week and a half or so. And they've looked great. And they're both 6'5 and about 210. So you've got some really good stuff coming here. It's just a matter of Kyle Davidson has to figure out which of these pieces still fit and what the, what the short, middle, and long-term futures are for a lot of these players. Because as we've talked about, to the point that we're nauseous thinking about it, July 1st, the Chicago Blackhawks can start talking about next contracts with the three most important players on that roster, with all due respect to Seth Jones. And that's Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Alex Debrinkit. 19 and 88 are UFAs coming off their long-term $10.5 million matching deals. They've had matching deals their entire careers. They've been tied at the hip as the faces of the Chicago Blackhawks for 15 years. Uh, they'll both be 34 next season. So what what is the future for them? I would argue Patrick Kane is still playing at a $10 million a year level. Taves, probably not. But Jonathan Taves, I think, also understands as the longest tenured captain in the history of the Blackhawks that uh, you know there there's an evolution to his role on this team. And he was pretty blunt saying that this was he learned more about his game, his body, and what it takes to be in the NHL this year than he has at any other time in his career. And remember, he's coming back after having a full year off. And he's, you and, know, and as I already condition, said. Right, that we, we still really don't yeah. know what he went through, right? Yeah, and but you look at the last you know month, two months, 27 games, he's 18 points and 60% at the dot. So I think he can still be a viable second, third-line center, but you have to fill in around those guys. And so what do you do around them, and how do some of these other pieces fit into that? And again, I think that if you wanted to put a guy like Jake McCabe on the market at $4 million per, there'd be interest in that. But this is where Kyle Davidson's going to have to earn his, earn his money. And when you look at the, the picks that they have, when you look at some of the cap flexibility that they have, obviously we talked about the fact that they have um, some guys that are going to need to get paid down the road. But right now, they're looking at probably before they pay Dylan Strom and Kirby Doc. Uh, they're looking at about $17 million in cap space. So they've got some wiggle room to play with, and they are in a, they do not have a goaltender signed beyond this season on the NHL roster right now. Arvid Soderblom, who's gotten a little run, is signed through next year. But I think they're going to have to address the goaltending position. But you have enough financial wiggle room that, you know, where last night's game becomes intriguing is, are the Blackhawks in a position that if they want to look at accelerating the rebuild and weaponizing some of this cap space, could they become a partner for Vegas to look at dumping some money on? Because if Chicago can convince maybe a Dadenoff to waive his no trade to come here, if they're on the list that Marcia so would accept a trade with, you know, th- could the Blackhawks look at maybe dumping a bad contract back but saving Vegas some money? Brett Conley's buried at three and a half. The Blackhawks could accommodate taking on a bad contract to bring in younger assets that help accelerate that rebuild. And they've got plenty of picks coming. They got two in the first and 23, two in the first and 24. Uh, They've got two in the second and 23. So they've got a lot of picks coming up just without a one this year. So the Blackhawks will be very interesting to watch this summer because how, 
how does Kyle Davidson view this rebuild? Does he need to tear it down to the studs and move on? Or does he look at accelerating this rebuild by weaponizing some of that cap space on shorter-term deals? I'm not saying you go get a Mark Stone at nine and a half for six more years. But maybe a dad off for one year at five is a guy that helps bolster that top six. And you can add maybe a younger piece or some of the limited draft capital that Vegas actually does have. Um, you know, to help ease their financial burden. So that's where they can weaponize their cap space and help accelerate that rebuild. But um, but you're right. It's It's been a very long, trying, fascinating, and in many ways disappointing season for the Blackhawks. But you're walking into an, an offseason that we really haven't seen in 13 years. You got a new GM. You know, it, it, it was, you know, 09 when Bowman took over for Dale Talon. And... Yeah. So this is the first time that you get a new GM in more than a decade in Chicago. What does he, and what is his outlook? You know, I, I look at putting together profiles of players that the Blackhawks might consider in the draft every year, and I had a pretty good read on what Bowman was looking to do based on what his MO was and what they have in the organization. But we're going to learn a lot from Kyle Davidson between now and the 15th of July for what his outlook is short, medium, and long term for the organization because he's got a lot of work to do, but he's got a lot of flexibility to do it. Yeah, and, and you know these. You look the trend now in the NHL is, um, you know, in Vegas case, you know, a ninety-two point season here, forty-two win season is not enough to get them in here. You know, look at the East; all eight teams are hundred points. Uh, the Blackhawks here, they got to make up, you know, at least fifteen, twenty wins, and you know, thirty points. So that's that's just to get into the playoffs. So, well, but 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 keep in mind here too, and look, I think a lot of people going into the season thought that the Central was going to be down, but five teams out of that division are getting into the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. right? So only three out of the Pacific. The Pacific was the underwhelming division. The Central actually stepped up pretty well. But in turn, makes that harder for the Hawks in terms of the decision making. Well, in theory, but let's also keep in mind here that you've got some significant decisions and probably some significant departures taking place with teams above them in the division. Nashville, because they're you know a playoff team, and I think they've overperformed expectations this year, which tip of the cap to them, stick tap, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg wants to get paid, and he might not do that in Nashville. Yeah. Which is a, so they've got some decisions to make there. You know, John Klingberg was not traded out of Dallas because they were chasing a playoff spot, but it appears that relationship is going to break up. And LA's so Dallas, break, yeah. so you've got some teams in the Central Division that are going to take a step back, and we don't know what the future. I mean, look, six months ago we were talking about Vlad Tarasenko doesn't want anything to do with the St. Louis Blues. So is he a guy that is still on his way out the door? Because St. Louis isn't exactly sprinting towards, you know, cap sobriety either. So the whole point here is you look at what, like, the New York Rangers have done, which was mentioned, I think, by Taves and Kane and Tyler Johnson as a team that turned it around pretty quickly. Look, they've done really well. Some of their recent high draft picks have not been exactly what you want. And the other thing, caveat that I'll put on that is Adam Fox's for nothing don't fall into every team's lap. But they were able to flip the switch pretty quickly. Uh, you look at what Minnesota's been able to do, really, really impressive. Um, you know, but that team's going to be there for a while. But 
you've got teams that are up against that you've got teams that are hitting right now that aren't going to hit next year or in the years after that because you've got a lot of guys that are coming up to get paid. And so you're going to have some massive movement this year. I mean, look, Toronto's got it, got to move some money too. You've got a lot of teams that are going to have to make some hard financial decisions because we're, the players are still paying back the pandemic debt with the owners. So you're going to have some really hard financial decisions that are going to have to be made this summer. And that's where teams that have cap space are going to benefit. And you look at some teams that have younger players still on entry-level deals like New Jersey, Seattle. You know, they're, they're positioned really well if they want to weaponize their cap space. And that's what you're going to do. You're going to weaponize it. You're going to use that thing to beat other teams into submission and take what you want because you can. Um, and so this is going to be a buyer-seller summer. And I think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be fascinating to watch because they could ride the rail of both of those. They could sell and they could buy simultaneously and do it in a way that benefits the short, medium, and long term. But we don't know what Kyle Davidson's fully baked vision for this franchise is. And so that's where there's a lot of wait and see, which makes it so interesting as a Blackhawks fan and analyst at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's the good and the bad of it. And, you know, when you go into the offseason, that's the best way to, to kind of approach it here. And, you know, hey, look, the Hawks have had so much success here in the last, you know, 15 years. And, um, you know, it's a new turn. You know, that's what we laugh. You know, the, the two teams are focused on with you here today in terms of Vegas. You know, they've only been around for five years. And, and their retool is going to be a lot different in terms of where they stand and, and where they've been as a franchise. You know, both of these two uh, franchises here, obviously the Blackhawks story and, and uh, all the success they've had and uh, a couple of big guys there too. Like I said, will they be around much longer? And, um, you know, I think you make a great point there too. What does Kyle Davidson do? Does he strip it down to the bolts or does he kind of keep it together? And with with regards to how the Central and, and you know, the, when you look at the conference, you know, and, and everything that happens in this playoff series and the offseason coming up is going to be huge uh, on both sides of the coin here, Eastern and Western Conference. Um, you know, what does Colorado do if they go out early? You know, St. Louis, a lot of these guys, um, this might be their last run together. The fact that Dallas got in with their crew, uh, you know, things are going to change in L.A. You know, Dreisaitl and, and McDavid, if they don't get out of the first round, what, what happens in, in Edmonton? You got, you know... Uh, Sutter there, I love the Flames. I mean, if he streamlines those guys to the conference finals and maybe gets to the uh, the cup, I mean, that'll just completely shake up things there. But it'd be great for you know that there's a there's a team right there, the Flames, how they turn things around. And um, you know, we're, we're not going to get necessarily into predictions here as far as the playoffs because the, the the seedings haven't all been set yet. Maybe we'll we'll bump our show up early next week once we get uh, all the matches squared away. But you know, Tab, I wanted to kind of ask you in terms of Maybe some of the, like, maybe who won the trade deadline here on both sides of it, and maybe just kind of like a an outlook here. We know the 16 teams that are in, and uh, maybe just get you uh, just a quick, maybe kind of just a quick glance at what you feel, how things have, have kind of played out here in the West with the King Stars, uh, the Preds, the Oilers, Flames, Blues, and Wild get, and the Avs getting in, and in the East, all 100-point uh, you know teams, uh, the Panthers, Leafs, Bolts, Canes, Rangers, Pitts, and uh, Bruins and Caps getting in? Well, I, I will say the easiest route when you talk about who won the trade deadline is who made the right move at the deadline to get over the hump. And I think that for me, there are three teams that were on the buying side that made strong positional moves at the deadline 
that we have to kind of wait and see how that stuff plays out. I think Tampa Bay, obviously, they're aggressive every year. They're red, freaking hot right now. I don't think anybody wants them in the first round, and God bless Toronto for drawing that card in the first round. I love it! Um, you know, unless so Boston, bad. unless some kind of a miracle slash like natural disaster happens and somehow Boston makes up three points with two games to go. But right now it looks like Florida's going to draw Boston and Toronto's going to draw Tampa in the Atlantic. I think Tampa bringing in a guy like Hagel, the numbers haven't necessarily been there, but he's gone from a top line, top six role with a lot of, uh, you know, value position placed on him in Chicago to being kind of a third line grinder with Tampa. Um, but I like what Tampa did at the deadline. I think that for me in the East, the two teams that really stood out at the deadline, I think what Florida did to help their back end, obviously they, they had an injury that they needed to work out, but the Claude Giroux ad is massive because you, you just brought in leadership. And with that, I look back at you know some of the trades that have happened over the past 10 years where you bring in a guy uh, who's desperate for a ring, who fills a role specifically, and he's perfect for it. And, you know, I I go back and I look at, you know, when, like, Antoine Vermette was acquired by the Chicago Blackhawks. And everybody was like, okay, like, it didn't generate a ton of buzz. But it was the perfect guy for the role that he was brought into play. I love Giroux in Florida. And then the Rangers, I mean, some of their guys are dinged up a little bit, but I really like what they did bringing in, you know, volume. But they brought in three guys that I think are really going to help them if they're able to stay on the ice. And I think... You know, with them drawing Pittsburgh in the first round, that's going to be a really fun series to watch. And then Carolina-Washington, you know, we don't know what kind of shape Ovi's in, um, you know, with the shoulder problem, but I I would not want to play the New York Rangers if I'm in the Metropolitan Division. With all due respect to how good Carolina's been, they're riding a five-game streak into the playoffs, but you look defensively at what the Rangers have built and the way Igor is playing between the pipes. If there's a goalie in these in the Eastern Conference that's going to steal you a series, it's Shesterkin, and he should he should absolutely be one of the three finalists for the heart, not the Vesna. He'll run away with that shit. But you're talking about the heart, the MVP of the league. He should be on that shortlist, absolutely. Um, in the West, you know, I I really like what Minnesota did. I think bringing in Flurry is brilliant. Um, you know, Calgary, I think, kind of went for it a little bit earlier. Um, with some of the stuff that they did earlier in the season. Um, but you look you look up and down the divisions and, and who got in, and I think it's pretty clear that Colorado, Minnesota, and Calgary are the class of, of the yeah. West. Now, St. Louis is tied with Minnesota at 109 points. Minnesota's got a game in hand on them. They're both 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. Um, so, that, I mean, that series could be – a knockdown drag out all timer in the first round because those teams are almost identical in every way. Um, you know, goals for goals against home road records. Those teams are spitting images of each other, including the eight, one and one in their last 10. Um, you know, and then you got Dallas and Nashville, Nashville's one point back at Dallas, but they've got a game in hand and those two teams are fighting to avoid Calgary in the first round, right? Or Colorado. So you're trying to either avoid or get the other one. Um, and then Edmonton, L.A. is fascinating just because everybody wants to see McJesus at, at the pinnacle of the game. But I don't I don't trust anything about that team. You've got the two arguably the two great greatest offensive players in the game. You know, obviously, there are other guys, uh, certainly Austin Matthews, that would be in that conversation. But 
you've got two of the leading scorers in the league and you've only got a plus 36 goal differential after 80 games, that should be closer to the 50 or 60 that you're seeing from Minnesota. You know, you look at Colorado and Calgary being north of 80. Um, but for me, the, the team that really stuck out in the West winning as far as a buyer perspective was Minnesota. Um, and then I, I, do, I do think the Blackhawks did a, a really solid job with what they did at the deadline. I would have loved to have seen them move a couple more pieces. I think Calvin DeHaan could have gone and added value to someone. But as a rookie GM, your first time having it be your dance, your show, you can't be taken advantage of because that's going to set the precedent for the coming summer where you really need to do some damage on the trade market. So you can't sell out early and then expect to suddenly have, you know, the reputation of being a hard guy to deal with. So I understand, you know, part of what he did and didn't do, but I think that they were able to add some young assets and did really well with that. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see how these playoffs shape out and who, who gets what, where, but I do think at the end of the day, my preseason, the $5 that I threw down on, uh, the uh, sports wagering app of your choice on f- the Florida Panthers to win the Stanley Cup before the season began. I feel pretty dang good about that right now because that team looks like they've got everything that you would ever want for a team to make a deep run. And I can't finish this conversation without saying full marks to Andrew Brunette. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It, some guys have had remarkable seasons behind the bench. But to take over midstream with Joel Quinville's unexpected termination because of what went down in Chicago and for him to step in and not miss a beat and for them to have a goal differential around 100 on the right side is just absolutely stunning. And for them to look like they're going to win the president's trophy, even with a Hall of Fame coach getting laid off midstream is really, really impressive. Um, Now, when the playoff lights get bright, it's a whole other animal. So we'll see how Andrew Burnett handles that. But, um, but right now, I think you know Florida would be my team to to throw the money at, which I did back in September and feel really good about. But I, I and I'm not in any way dismissing the two-time defending champions from Tampa. Yeah, and I no. can't wait for that. I can't wait for Tampa and Florida in the second round because I think most people that have watched these Maple Leafs know that the first round is. Thunderdome for them, but um, <laughs> but you're going to have some really compelling first round matchups. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's great. Hockey playoffs are the best playoffs. I don't care what sport you watch; um, they are the best. There is no question. Ask Charles Barkley. Um, but I'm I'm riding with Florida right now because I think that they were a juggernaut before the deadline, and they did the right stuff at the deadline. And Claude Giroux might finally get to drink out of the cup. Yeah, no, great point. I th- I think it's a it's a big testament to um. You know the uh, the team itself, as far as um, you know, the fact the way that they played the rest of the way, you know, for uh, for Burnett, uh, you know, because they he, he could have lost the team, or the the team itself collectively could have fallen apart, but they didn't. They stuck together, uh, and it's been absolutely really phenomenal to see um, them them stay at the top of the league here. And yeah, and the way Barovsky's been playing in there, and all the pieces that they put together in Florida, thirty-four seven and zero on home ice. Yeah, it's and they're going to be there the whole playoffs. So, yeah. good luck in the East, kids. Yeah, baby, it's going to be fun. Tab, we'll leave it there for now. We'll bring it back next week once everything gets locked in, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. But uh, great takes on Vegas here in Chicago going forward. Great to have you back. Let's have a super weekend, brother, and uh, we'll do this again next week as things get ramped up. Absolutely, sounds good. We'll talk soon.
Ted Bevin, ladies and gentlemen, right here on THS. And THS rolls on. Well, it's been a long time since we've rock and rolled. So let's head on back up to the great city of Buffalo and bring in my THS lineman, Mr. Joe Yarden. Joe, what's the story up there, pal? Is there an ankle party today in Buffalo? What's going on? <laughs> Man, is there ever. Holy cow. The uh, the drinks were flowing last night for <laughs> everybody around town. They were so excited to see Vegas get bounced. Is that true, though? I mean, like, is I didn't I didn't check out the Sabres feed last night. I kind of watched mm-hmm. the shutout there at the end like everybody else. The shootout there at the end like everybody else. And then... um. You know, just going, who boy, and then Dallas winning and Vegas getting locked out. But is that the fever pitch in Buffalo? I mean, they 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 laughing about this. Good oh riddance. yeah, oh yeah. They're they're people here are having a really big laugh about Eichel missing out of the playoffs and not having any success. Well, I mean, I can't say not having any success. I mean, they, they still have a better record than the Sabers do, but <laughs> um, but but Jacks had a, had a rough rough go of it since uh since he's come back and uh vegas is boy vegas just you know trying to skirt around the salary cap and then run into injury problems and all that stuff it was just everything conspired to make sure that vegas was not gonna make the postseason and boy it, the way it went down the way it happened the last couple of nights with the way you know vegas losing uh to to dallas and then losing to uh chicago in a shootout man like like if you're gonna be a playoff team, you gotta win those games. Like that's that's how it is. And even you know, even Dallas, like Dallas could have put it away solidly last night. Instead, they blew a three nothing lead to Arizona, <laughs> and then they lose in a shootout or an overtime or whatever it was. And like, oh my goodness, like it's not like Vegas didn't have their chances. They had their chances, but but Jack's gonna be sitting at home again in the playoffs, and everybody here is very like. Listen, don't ever get on the bad side of of Buffalo sports fans because that grudge will last an eternity. Yeah. And uh, yeah, everybody was, yeah, everybody was extremely, extremely excited about Vegas getting bounced out of uh, making the playoffs. And uh, I heard, heard a couple of things thrown around last night that uh, started with an F and then it had, a, and it had Jack Eichel involved in, in, in saying it, but Ooh. yeah, pe- people don't, people don't like him anymore, man. It's uh it's uh yeah he's he's getting ch- he got chased out of town like a witch yeah and and you know uh, me and Tab were just talking about it before too because you know it would have been one thing if the if the Knights get into the playoffs right and at least Jack would have had a playoff round to play in mm-hmm. but that team is in bad shape I mean yeah. he might they you know you 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 know you know you know better as far as you know running up and down the lineup and stuff and mm-hmm. um but you know with, with all the the cap issues and the goaltending and just and does DeBoer come back? All the stuff. I mean, yeah. Jack Eichel could be. He might have went to a a bad situation, obviously with the injury and and you know, trying to get the approval for the surgery and moving on. And then the trade happens, and you know, you look back here and you go, okay, it's great for both parties. Buffalo can move on with this as an organization, and and Eichel now he's the the talent, the NHL kid that everybody wants to see play on the big stage. He goes to Vegas. And now it's like he might, they might not get back in anytime soon. It just could be yeah. a, a bad situation. Could it be a worse situation in Vegas, Michael? It could. You know, they they got some work to do. <laughs> they, you know, looking at the looking at the salary charts for next year, they've already they've got eighteen guys committed 
on contracts. That's going to cost them $85 million. So they're already going to be, what, three, four million over the cap, even before getting to do anything. So there's going to be trades. Like, they're, you know, take your pick of guys that could be traded or just, you know, they're like, I mean, and that's, that's, that's considering Riley Smith is a free agent. Or, uh, yeah, Riley Smith is a free agent after this year. Uh, uh, let me, I'm just, I'm looking, I'm looking up and down their charts here. Uh, you know, Matthias Janmark's a free agent. They got a, you know, got a handful of RFA guys, but it's like, you're still going to have to move people. Like you got to think about, I don't know, maybe, maybe kick around Pacioretty. I mean, Pacioretty was playing hurt without a doubt playing hurt the whole, yeah. you know, second half of the season. Um, but like, maybe you gotta, maybe you gotta move a guy like him. Maybe you gotta think about trading. Uh, you gotta think about maybe trading defensemen. Like, you know, I know some Sabres fans are very, very hot and heavy about Zach Whitecloud. They'd love to have him because they need a right defenseman in Buffalo. But, uh, but you know, I mean, his extension just kicks in, starts next season at 2.75 mil. But like, that's not a guy you want to get rid of. He's 25, you know, and you know, people are going to want Shea Theodore, you know, everybody's going to want all the good guys. Nobody's, yeah. no, nobody's going to want to take any of the bad money going around, but like, gee whiz, man, they got, they got problems. They got, they got a lot of problems. And do you, and, do you think DeBoer stays there? I mean, does that, does that help or hurt them? You know, if they, is, is that something that anybody should focus on? Is, is DeBoer the issue there? Well, see, the thing with Vegas is that we, you know, you know, GM Kelly McCrimmon, you know, we, we, we kind of have an idea of like what he's about him and George McPhee, they've kind of done their stuff, but, uh, but the ownership there, this is the first time they're missing the playoffs, you know, which I know everybody, nobody's going to boohoo about that. Like, okay, okay, guys, way to go (laughs) with the Stanley Cup final, your first season, first time missing the playoffs. It's like, okay, well now you're, now you're a real team. You know, finally, you finally had a rough season. Enjoy the hurt. Right. So, you know, nobody's going to have any sympathy. Nobody had, nobody, people have zero sympathy for Vegas. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, but like ownership wants, they, they demand wins. They demand, I mean, everybody demands wins, but like they got to keep the entertainment dollar going in Vegas. Like they got to, they, you know, they can't afford to have bad seasons and they've mortgaged a ton of the future to, to try to keep this train going from after, you know, after making the finals, the, the first season. And, you know, they, they, they are lacking on draft picks. Like, like, let me look at this. They don't have a, they don't have a first round pick this year. Uh, they're missing a third and a fourth. So, you know, they're not picking until what, what midway second round. Okay. Way to go. You know, they don't have a second next year. And, you know, that you're looking at, you're looking at a team that can't afford to like get rid of more picks. Like, yeah. You can't do that. You got to start. You got to move a couple of these guys, and like some of these guys just, just aren't performing. Like you know, I love I love William Carlson, but like ever since that forty goal season, he has not he is not kind of burnt out in a way, right? A little bit, a little bit, but like you know, you need you need him to get back to that to that mark. You need uh, you know you need Pacioretty to be healthy. Although you know, with one year left on his deal, seven million, you know, might not be too hard to move him, but like. Are you, are you moving them over the summer? Are you going to move them at the trade deadline? Like in the trade deadline next year? Like, I, I don't know how you handle that. Like, because you're obviously not trading Eichel, you're not trading Stone, uh, you're you're not trading, you know, Petrangelo. Uh, yeah, you just signed him, so you're not you're not trading him. So like right there, you're talking what like twenty eight million to three guys against the cap next year. Ooh, buddy, like that's. 
that's a quarter of the cap. Like you can't like it's it's more than a quarter of the cap. Like that's crazy. But like they got to like they got to figure something out. And I think ha- trying to pull this apart a little bit to try to get some freedom is going to be really painful. Yeah, and I, you know, you nailed it before. I think you're right. It's like welcome to the NHL. Welcome to, yeah. you know, welcome back to earth. And <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> you reap what you sow and and Right. Here we go. You know. I mean, listen, you you make deals to get star players and like I get that. Like the Stone deal, I'd make that Stone trade 100 times out of 100. Like mm-hmm. that guy, you know, he's a he's a all-around great trade player. Too. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean like the the view, I mean, the view in Buffalo's skewed because everybody's like, "Boy, we really won that deal," and I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I mean, yes, I mean, like, you know, in a in a, you know, in a in a vibes kind of way." Yeah, hey, like, you can't lose a star power player like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, but like, this is like this is like the the kind of dream for the NHL situation. Like, Eichel's a star player. You know, NHL doesn't like you know they they don't really like marketing star players. They like marketing teams. Well, the Sabres are playing like a really solid team, you know, this the second half of the year, especially since, you know, Tuck started playing and, and all that. So everybody's thinking like, oh, well, yeah, cool. We got a team now. Like, it's not just, you know, Jack and Jack and a bunch of stiffs trying to trying to get things done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, NHL's like, OK, good, good. All right. That, that's what we want. Vegas has been trying to align stars out there since the get go. And, you know, like that that can be a lot that that can cause a lot of a lot of. Uh, a lot of angst just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's egos in the room. It's, you know, it's big salaries against the cap. It's trying to get ice time for everybody and try to try to get it done that way. But man, oh man, like this, you know, the salary stuff with them, you know, trying to dance around with, you know, long-term injured reserve and all that. Like this was a dance they knew they were going to have to do a second they acquired Eichel. Like that's the, the second they added them. They're like, okay, we got to get creative. Yeah, but if we get but in the like, playoffs and we have some success here, it'll all go away. Right. No salary cap in the playoffs. So like bring everybody back and we'll be good. Well, I mean, you got to get there first and then, but then second of all, like you're going to have other injuries and you're going to have other guys getting back healthy that have big money and like none of it ever aligned perfectly. Like the injuries piled up like crazy. They had, they basically, it was like I go playing with half of the Henderson lineup uh, for, <laughs> for a good while, which yeah, that's tough. Like that's, I mean, the Henderson lineup is, I mean, I will say pretty confidently worse than what he had with the Sabres. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's, you know, no slight against those guys and no slight against the Sabres. But like, you know, new situation, same problem as far as Jack's concerned. But, you know, but even like with them healthy, I mean, they tried to trade Evgeny Davidov, you know, Davidov or Dadinov, Davidov. He played for the Jets back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing back old names, Paulie. But like Dadinov, they tried to trade him to Anaheim and they screwed that up. So like, you know, they had, that was, you know, what, three five million back on the cap like okay you know i mean turned out to be okay because he played pretty well but like if i'm him i'm like trade me immediately as soon as the season like trade me now don't even wait till (laughs) don't even wait for july to come around just be like just just do it now just get it over with but um but i mean like i don't know man it's i look up and down that roster i'm just like i don't know i don't know and like they've moved so many young dudes yeah. To like make these deals, like to get Patrick they move Nick Suzuki. Whoops, yep. that's that's a rough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to get Eichel, they move Krebs and Tuck. Yeah, that's that's rough. That's a couple of young guys that you, I mean, Tuck didn't really have a place. 
in the top six there just because they were kind of loaded up with, you know, with all the guys, but. And even the, even the. Could have helped him out this year. That's for sure. Could have helped him out in nets too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the whole thing with flurry, I just, that, that, that was botched so badly with, you know, maybe maybe they were exactly where they should be Joe. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, it's, it's not like people are going to be like, ah, it's karma. It's not karma. This is just, this is just the bill come and do. Yeah. Like you, you skirt around it enough and you start trying to get overly creative and, you know, you're tinkering too much. This is what happens. You know, you'll, you'll lose, you'll lose out on some of that stuff. And I mean, geez, I, I mean, the whole stuff with Leonard at the end of the year where they're like, oh, well, you know, he's going to miss like the last five games because uh, he's getting season ending surgery. Then he's practicing, you know, the next day. And it's like, what is going on here, man? And then, you know, then, you know, DeBoer's like, he's like, I don't know anything about that. Like, Okay, great. Like, thanks for the drama. Like, this, it's ridiculous. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and you know, uh, L.A. Uh, didn't help them. Dallas didn't help them. Nashville, no. they never went away. And, and, you know, even Boudreaux caused a lot of trouble for them here towards the, uh, yeah. you know, the second half of the season here and stuff, too. And, and this will be, um, you know, and those those teams, that's the thing here in the conference, too. Things are going to retool a little bit. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, you know, listening to you and, and just thinking about, you know, Eichel might be on on the outside again next year. I, I, who knows? I mean, you think there's enough? Is there enough now with everything they've gone through? And you know, there's going to be some major shifts in terms of the mm-hmm. lineup, what they've got to do with the cap and everything else. You know, even DeBoer. Does DeBoer want to come back and coach this team the way it is? You know, I mean, so yeah. to think of the Vegas Knights to maybe start heading down a downslope. And I don't, you know, when you take the contract, you don't want to feel sorry, boo-hoo for these guys, a guy like right. Michael and stuff, as far as their money and their bank accounts. But, man, if this franchise goes on the downslope and then Eichel goes from Buffalo to there, I mean, woo! Yeah. What a it's, ride. I, I mean, Eichel's going to think he's he's cursed at that, yeah. at that rate. But, like, you know, if there's any positives that have come out of, like, how – things have broken down for them this year. It's, you know, maybe they, maybe Logan Thompson's a real goalie. Maybe that's a guy that they can, they can feel good about moving forward. The shootouts, the last three games. Yeah. Yeah. Eichel's got, you know, you're a star player like that. And you got the the puck on your, on your tape there to bury Mm -hmm. a goal. Yeah. See, he's not a deeker either. He's a snapshot guy. Just go in and just wire it. I, I, (laughs) right. It was a boring shootout last night. Yeah. I, but like, you know, when you're, when you're down bad, man, like you're going to be boring. You're going to try to win it any way you can, but like that, that's not a team built to be boring. Like that's a team that's built to, you know, hit hard and score, you know, fun goals and, and play some, you know, high pace hockey. But, you know, it's not really DeBoer's style either, which, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's, maybe that comes into play, but, um, but I mean, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's just staggering. It's staggering to see how, just everything, like anything that could have gone sideways with with Vegas this year did, and it you know, and even still, they were a whisper for, away from the playoffs. You know, ninety point season, ninety two no? plus. Yeah. It's still it's still a good year. Like yeah. ninety points is still good. It's just forty you know, some odd you, wins. Yeah, you got to do wins. better than that for the playoffs. That's all. You know, get ninety five points instead instead of ninety. Like, but that's you know that's that's mild consolation now. Now, now, if you're the Sabers, like people are thinking, like, oh, better draft pick, better draft pick. This is great because they got because they got Vegas as first this year. But if Vegas wins the lottery, that pick goes into the top ten, 
then they no longer have that pick. <laughs> so, so then, you know, not that not that Buffalo fans are going to be uh, hard pressed to root against Vegas again next season, but like, you know, cool, more incentive to like hate Vegas as far as as far as Sabres fans are concerned. But not that they need any more juice for that, man. Like, I thought it was, you know, when it, when Jack played here this year with Vegas, it was fascinating. And then, you know, he blows up. Well, he didn't blow up. Like he tried to be a smart ass and he blew it. <laughs> because he was ticked about losing the game. Yeah. And it, you know, and it came off looking like he took a dump on Buffalo on the way on the way out of town. So now everybody's like, screw him. Like, yeah. screw him for life. Uh so like when they come here next season, boy, oh boy. Yeah. The reception's gonna be unbelievable. Like it's there people are gonna be throwing garbage on the ice at him. It's gonna be crazy. No, no, tell tell him not to throw anything on the field or the ice. We don't <laughs> want that stuff, you know. It happened yeah, in the box. yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't yeah, see that, that was Jokes. I did not care for that. That Both was all bands. Me and Joe Yankee fans here. We we are part of the millions of Yankee fans that would never throw anything on the field. That's right. So it's a I just hurl I just hurl salty words. That's all I hurl. Exactly. All right. So let's <laughs> let's swing over to Buffalo here. They're not gonna finish last in the league this year. Uh, no. there's quite a few teams that are gonna be uh, a lot worse as far as the standings, the overall standings here as the playoffs begin here. But Joe it, um you know, we've been doing the Sabres talk here on THS for the last, you know, two seasons, three seasons. I don't mm-hmm. know how long, but um, and I know you guys are uh, pumping out the maintenance day uh, week to week here. So as far as the changes and, you know, Granado here and in, in the front office and um, the, the, the couple of new guys that were added here. And as far as working with um, Rochester and everything else, um, is there a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel? Obviously you, and we're going to talk about it here as far as the, you know, the way the, the Eastern conference has played out here. And obviously eight teams with a hundred points. I mean, uh, any team in the, in the conference right now to claw back into playoff, uh, cons- you know, uh, talk even for next season or the season after. But uh, in short, Joe, is there, is there something positive signs here that you're seeing here with Eichel in the rearview mirror um, as far as the organization going forward? Uh, I, right now, things haven't been as positive around this team in ages, you know, probably since they drafted Eichel. You know, that, that, you know when they drafted him, it was kind of like, all right, this is the turning point. We got, we got our franchise guy now. Um, they don't necessarily have a franchise guy now. They just have a they have more, uh, more really solid talent. Like, you know, you see what Tage Thompson's done this year. He's, you know, he's pushing 40 goals playing center. Like both of those things, if you told people that he was going to be a center and he was going to score 40, people would be like, you know, lock you up in a home. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> like that. There's no way that guy does that. Sure enough. That's what he's done. You know, Skinner bounces back with 30 plus this year that I think you could have predicted. I think you could have said like, all right, yeah, yeah, I could, I could definitely see, I could definitely see Skinner doing something like that. But like, you know, who else on this team's going to score? Well, okay, well that, that's fine. Goals were still a little hard to come by, but you know, when you're getting, when you're getting forty, like close to forty out of Thompson, you're getting thirty five from Skinner. Uh, you don't need everybody else to score thirty and forty behind them. You get a bunch of twenty goal guys. You get yep. some, you get some other. Um, you know, you get some, you know, just like kind of mid-range scores. Mm-hmm. Like, you're doing okay. Like, Kyle Pozo scored 20. He's got 21 this year, I think. Where's Kyle's uh, contract, by the way? Uh, he's he's going – next year is the last year of the deal, I think. Okay. And so how, old's, how old's Pozo going to be? He's going to be 34. Okay. 
if he's not 34 already, is he, uh, hey, uh, when's his birthday? <laughs> I'm looking up his birthday. Oh, he just had his birthday. So he, so he just turned 34. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, it's know. Skinner too. Where, where's he at? He's he got a couple more years on this deal. Skinner's got Skinner's got about four more years on his deal. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Skinner's got quite you know, a bit he, on he his deal. He wasn't playing there for a while, so I kind of you know got lost. Yeah, in terms of where his well, timeline is. Well, I was say yeah. Thanks, thanks to uh, yeah. No, he doesn't go free agent until twenty twenty seven, Paulie. Oh. So he's he's got he's got some time to go. But like again, you know, he, he's twenty nine. Okay, keep it going, dude. You know, he's been pretty healthy his last few years, so got no got no issues there. But, like, you know, the, the future looks good. Like, the, you know, I'm going to be really interested to see what uh, what happens with Victor Olofsson, like what they sign him to. You know, he's RFA this summer, so uh, – and he just bounced, started bouncing back the last, last month or so, last month or two, uh, because he had a wrist injury that, for, for whatever reason – Sabres wouldn't make it clear what he what he had hurt. They were like, ah, it's a soft tissue upper body injury. It's like, well, what, what, what does that mean? Like, like, come on, guys. But it's like he couldn't he couldn't rip the shots anymore. He had no confidence in his shot uh, while he was banged up, and it was just kind of like he looked like a shell of himself. And you're like, is this what he is from now on? Because if this is it, man, like you gotta you gotta send him out. Now it's like the shots back, the threat of him scoring anywhere on the power play is back. He's playing very well on five and five again. So, all right, cool. Like get the deal done and, you know, put him in a, you know, wrap him in bubble wrap around the wrists, <laughs> you know, every summer, just, just to take care of business. It's, you know, but like this team, you know, like as opposed to Vegas, this team has no salary cap worries. They got salary <laughs> floor worries, but like, it, I don't know, like, you know, the way Darlene's played this year, it's one of those things where it's like I, I've been patting myself on the back where I'm just like, listen, he's good. You got to just they got to figure it out. He had his, you know, the way things ran the, the previous two years under under Kruger with him sunk his game terribly. Uh, but he's back and he's elite. Like he looks elite. And, you know, Matias Samuelson looks fantastic. He's another guy. Fans were ready. Like as soon as the, the second he was picked. A few years back, people were just like, oh, geez, another big goof defenseman. We don't want that guy. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, watch this guy play, man. Like, and people were so sour on him. And now he's, he looks really good. So, you know, you got him and then you got Owen Power now. So Owen Power, like, he, it's amazing to see a kid like that just have no, he's not flustered by anything. Like, you know, he's a big kid. He's 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Doesn't, he's not shaken by anything. He's not phased by the moment. He just goes out and plays, and he's a you know pretty pretty nice kid too. So like you know bonuses all around, it's it's wild. It's to have all these things sort of come up aces for them is is insane because because of how things have gone the last ten eleven years. Yeah, it's something yeah. else to see this happen. And one other guy is uh, I got to mention is is Rasmus Asplund. The goal numbers aren't you know the offensive numbers aren't really there. He's a top five defensive forward in the league. As far as I'm concerned, he's unbelievably good at defending. And what's the story in Nets, Joe? I mean, obviously, Anderson oh. and Tukarski, you know, I mean, that that ship is has got to start to be, you know, pushed out into the uh, – is there a Buffalo Harbor? I think there is, maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. We, yeah. We, got the, we got the rivers. We got the lakes here. Yeah, we send got, them out the river know. and whatever. I mean, no, no, no disrespect. No, don't put them in the river. They'll put them over the fall. I mean, fall. Where, you don't want, the, you <laughs> want to do that. I mean, what would the Sabres have done this year if those two guys actually weren't in the lineup? But – um. 
you know, where where do the, where do the Sabres fall as far as, you know, the goaltending prospects? Obviously, mm-hmm. um, the kid that I'm not even – you say his name better than me. Uko uh, Pekalukinen. Yes, thank you very much. And, <laughs> you know, as far as drafting and, and other prospects and who's playing down – I mean, obviously that's going to be a big part of it for, for – I mean, it's, it's pretty much got to be the cornerstone – of any franchise. I mean, we're going to see this roll out here in the, in the playoffs, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's that's going to be a big thing. Who's going to steal games? Who's going to carry the load for a lot of these teams? And we have some, just some incredible goaltending going on, something to look forward to here in, in the playoffs. Well, what do the Sabres do to get into this game here? Well, one thing they got to do is uh, figure out what's going to happen with Devin Levi and Eric Portillo. There are a couple other prospects they had phenomenal seasons in college this year. Portillo with Michigan uh, had a great season. Devin Levi put up one of the best goaltending seasons in NCAA history this year, and wasn't wasn't a finalist for the Hoey Baker somehow. <laughs> wow, amazing! Like, but uh, but they're both going back to school next year, which is a bit troubling in Portillo's case because uh, my my podcast co-host uh, Lance Lasowski says. Uh, it, he opposes, he's different than what cap friendly says. They have to sign him by next summer or mm-hmm. else he goes free agent, which is a little bit concerning. Mm-hmm. It's a lot concerning actually. I mean, you draft a kid like that. You're thinking like, all right, he's, a, you know, th- this is a potential, you know, future number one for us. And then he's thinking like, mm, yeah, I don't think I want to sign there. I'm going to go someplace else. That's, you don't like that. They've, and the Sabres have been down that road already with, with Cal Peterson, uh, a few years back when he was, uh, when he was coming out of Notre Dame. Uh, so they they want to avoid having something like that happen again. But, yeah, I mean, you got to really – I mean, you know, listen, Porzilla wants to go back. He wants to win the national championship. Like, I get it. I respect that. You know, they got bounced in the semifinals. Not a great game for them. You know, Denver kind of blitzed them off the ice. That was tough. He wants to go back. I get it. I respect it. Same for Levi. Levi and, like, the rest of his teammates in Northeastern, they're like, let's run it back. They, You know, people look at that team and go, I don't know. That's not a very impressive – roster but i was like but you have the best goalie in college hockey mm-hmm. you know you can go very far having the best goalie in college hockey so you know i respect both of them doing that and you know uh, apparently levi was at uh sabers practice today in boston so that's encouraging that he's that he wants to hang around he wants to see what's going on so like you're thinking maybe he comes back portillo i don't know man I, i'd be very concerned about whether he comes back but you know with with Lu- when it comes to lucan and though guys that are actually like right there i don't know i mean i it's another thing where i would have loved to have seen him get about 15 20 nhl games this season with buffalo and boy they had plenty of opportunity to be able to (laughs) to play him but they've chose they chose to keep him in rochester because they wanted they want the amerks to make the the playoffs to go on a playoff run and do that because they you know they've had a couple of guys having phenomenal seasons down there um but Rochester may not make the playoffs now. Wow. Uh, they're very close. They're on. They're very close to being edged out, uh, which is unfortunate because their season, the Rochester season, and the Buffalo season end the same day. So, if they wanted to get Lucan in, in there, it's a little late now. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you'd ha- almost have to play him in the last game of the season. But like that's Rochester's last game of the season. They might need it to get in the playoffs. So. Mm. You're not swapping these guys out. You're not doing any of that stuff. And it, it's frustrating because that kid's had his his development's been so out of whack the la, you know, since he since he came out of Sudbury. Like 
you know, his first season, he, he, went, he went from Cincinnati to Rochester. He was doing a bunch of that. Then he ended up going up to Buffalo because they had uh, goalie injuries again. And, you know, he got, he was going up and down all over the place. And then, you know, it was, you know, last season with the, the weird schedule and everything. And then he ended up getting called up again because again, goalie injuries everywhere. And he played pretty well. He seemed to only play against, I think it was Boston, Boston or Pittsburgh. You know, I think it was Boston. He kept playing against and did pretty well. Um, and then this season, like he played a handful of games this year, played very well, I thought, but what, you know, they, they just didn't want to push the issue with him. They didn't want to have, give him a ton of NHL action, which blows me away because at some point you got to know what you got. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can play him a ton in, in Rochester and be like, okay, well, he's really good against them, but you gotta know, man, like, you know, the opportunity was there for him in preseason to make the, to make the Sabres right out of camp. And he had a rough camp stuff happens, you know, and, and he's a kid. So like, you don't, you're not overly concerned about it. Cause it's like, all right, man, just go down and work on it. But he stayed there all season. And that's, that to me is, is where I disagree with how they've handled some of the, some of the prospect stuff. I don't, I, I don't agree with that at all, but you know, that's, you know, Hey, hey listen, maybe they're going to make me look stupid next year. And if he takes over and he's the number one and he's the number one with a bullet, then, Hey, cool. Like everything <laughs> worked out, but they, they're at a point now where they, they almost really desperately need him to become the guy because free agency doesn't look great. You know, the, the one guy you'd go after is Billy Huso, but he's young and you're going to have to pay him a bunch of money because he's had a phenomenal season with St. Louis and who knows what he's going to do in the playoffs. I mean, if he goes through and he runs St. Louis to the cup final or something like that, Oh boy, man. Like, you know, maybe then you're talking about trading for Jordan Bennington, but I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> like if you're Buffalo, you definitely don't want to do that. But I mean, you're, you're really limited on your options and free agency. I mean, Craig Anderson's probably going to stick around. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, he, he can do whatever he wants. He's, he's basically a carte blanche. If he wants to retire, cool. If he wants to stay, they'll keep him. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's where it is. Unless Florida calls him and says like, Hey man, come on home for a last year, you know, just play, play out of your backyard and call it a day. But not if uh, they win the Stanley cup. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. they won't need, they won't need them then they won't need them then that's for sure. But, um, but I mean, like he likes the role that he's got. It's just, I don't think they counted on him playing this many games, yeah. uh, in the NHL. I and mean, he, he was banged up for a bunch. Like the fact that he's gotten almost 40 starts, is crazy. Yeah, it is nuts. So on the last thing here on the Sabres, too, as far as the front office is concerned, obviously Granada behind the bench there and Kevin Adams, GM, um, you know, there was – do you think this this kind of stays where it is? Is there any kind of rumblings that, you know, the Ghoulas might change things up again a little bit at all? Do you see anything changing? I mean, I, I know you're laughing here, and, I mean, please – you're probably saying, please, no, no more changes. But I got to throw it out there. I mean, yeah. could that happen? Are you happy with the way it is? Do we do, – do the fans, do you guys who cover the team, uh, do you need to let this breathe a little bit? I mean, you, you know, we're coming out of, like – Outside of this season here, two crazy seasons before that, you know, mm-hmm. COVID and the pandemic and everything else, and you know, a lot of a lot of um, you know front offices in the league here, they collectively as a league, uh, and obviously dire, more dire circumstances in on certain teams than others, and you know, mm-hmm. we, we joke here about the Sabers and, and and the rest of the teams, whether Chicago and you know Arizona and um, you know New Jersey, and you go you go down the list here and so on and so forth. But talk about. The, the administration here, the front office. Do, do you do you want any changes, Joe? Should it stay the same, or do you think you might get uh, a sneak attack here, something in the off season? 
if uh, if they if ownership changes anything with this, sell the team. Like, oh, there's right. so that's there's pretty drastic. No, like I mean, if they if they got rid of anybody, they should just get out of the business at that okay. point because things things are going going right. You know, okay. like people are starting to like the team again. You know, I, I sure and you did saw people start coming back, Joe. Some of the home little games bit. here, yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, the only guy, the only person who's able to sell out a game this year was was Rick Jenneret for for his banner night, um, <laughs> and like I don't know the the final game of the season. Maybe he'll sell it out again for his last game. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But um, but it makes sense that Rick's the only guy who could 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 sell out yeah. sell out the arena for the team this year. But. Um, but no, fans fans enjoy the team again. Like that, you know, they enjoy watching them play. You know, one of Granado's things that he said, you know, before the season was like, I want to play an exciting kind of hockey. You know, I want to play an ent- entertaining kind of hockey. And he's like, this boring trap stuff, I don't need that. He's like, that's not fun to it's not fun to coach, it's not fun to watch, which I hope everybody in the Islanders was listening to that. But um, <laughs> but like, you know, when you play that kind of style, like you're going to get people coming back and, you know, people have, you know, have started, they've started coming back. You know, they're going to get some of those season ticket holders are going to come back too, because they, they like where things are going. The thing that gets me though, is what, what's it going to be like next year when there's expectations? Like this season had zero, like it, people looked at the roster and said, boy, these, these guys will be fighting for the first pick again. Um, and the fact that they're you know 24th right now in the league is like, wow, way to go guys. Even though, yeah. even though the point totals aren't great, uh-huh. you know, they get 73 points. They could, they could have finished with 77, you know, who knows? Um, but the fact that they, they've done this well, I mean, it's weird to say that they've done well, <laughs> but like they have, I mean, they played, they played better games. They've showed a lot more heart. Um, but like next season, people are, are already thinking like, all right, this is a team that can push the playoffs next year, and I'm like, whoa, 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 let's, let's, let's yeah, settle, I don't know if let's settle the train either. down. Like, let's, let's, let's not say that they're gonna go right, you know, go from you know 12 straight years of missing the playoffs to jumping, you know, 11 straight years, 12, whatever. I don't know. Um, it's endless, Joe. It's endless. It's it's too long, is what it is. Um, but like going from that to saying like, yeah, no, they're gonna make the playoffs next year would be a crazy step. No, I mean obviously there's a lot, Joe and a lot hope of stuff is to go. All you got. Why not hope? You know, you know, <laughs> you know what Red said in Shawshank Redemption about hope. Yeah, oh, hope's a dangerous about. thing. Hope can kill a man. It's so, true. so I mean, you know, but like next year people are gonna are gonna be opening the season as soon as camp starts. They're gonna be like, all right, let's this has got to be a season where they got to be in the running for the playoffs. And if they have any slip ups, if they, you know, if they have like an 85 point year, people will be like, Oh, that's the best season since, you know, 15, 16. Cool. 85 points. 85 cool points would chance. be awful. But, but 85 would like 85 is not, to me, that's not a big enough jump. You got to have a hundred points now to get into the playoffs, Joe, in the right. Eastern conference. To me, to me, the goal for the Sabres next year is 90 points or bust. Like you got to break ninety, I think next year. Like whether you make the playoffs or not, ninety puts you in the conversation for it. Yeah, all right. You know, like that's that's what I mean by that. Like I can't immediately say like no, they got to be a playoff team because it's it's unreasonable. But I mean, hundred hundred points got you in the playoffs in the East this year. You know, like that's that's crazy. Yes, <laughs> I mean, that's that's intense. That is, I mean, for crying out loud. I mean, Washington Washington's got a hundred points. They got forty four wins. Like. Okay, you know that's thirteen wins more than Buffalo had, and these these top eight ain't going anywhere. 
No. Well, I mean, the only thing you're hoping for is that, like, you look at Pittsburgh, you know, Malkin and Latang are free agents. So you're thinking, like, okay, maybe this is the last ride for him. You think those guys really want to are looking to jump out, no, play anywhere be else? Next year. No, they, no, that I don't think that I don't think either of them would be eager to go someplace. I mean, maybe Malkin. Maybe, well, but like, he's got I, the greatest gig in the world. What does he play? Twenty games a season now, anyway. For that, for that like, check, you know, <laughs> but like being behind Sid takes the pressure off of you pretty well. That's for sure. Hell yeah, you know, Sid's still really good. Yeah, but like, is Carolina going anywhere? Going down? No. The Rangers going down? No. Florida going down? If no. Chesney goes down, the Rangers go down. Well, no. yeah, they're, they're right screwed if Chesney goes down. Let's <laughs> not say Georgie's not saving anybody. Way, the last couple of games haven't been that uh, earth shattery. We'll consider, yeah. you know. But, like, you know, like Tampa's Tampa's had a down year. 108 points is a down year oh for the Tampa God. Bay Lightning. They're like, just come on. getting revved up. Are you kidding right. me? They, they won four in a row now. Like, people are just like, oh, they look weak now. I'm like, are you kidding me? Toronto like, is trying to figure out a way to not play them in the first round. Right. So, like, you know, it, it's it's wild. And, like, you know, listen, if, if Toronto doesn't get Tampa in the first round, they're getting Boston. Which, which one do you oh, think Toronto wants man. to see? Like, can, can, they're just sitting there going, like, can we can we get can we pick anybody else, please? Can we, can, can we move back to the Western Conference? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Put us in the West. Yeah, we'll play the Stars. Yeah, we'll we'll deal with them. We'll we'll play the Kings. That's fine. Oh my man. goodness. But like you know, like none of those teams are going to. You know, Boston. We've been talking about Boston falling off for years. Yeah. Like for the last like the three years. Like since yeah, I mean they made the Cup final in nineteen. Like but it was like my finger. It's like the wart on my finger, Joe, that I haven't been able to get rid of. <laughs> You know, the only team I could see being maybe coming back to earth is the Caps. Because I don't think they believe in Samsonov. I, I think they I don't think they trust him in goal. And they're going they're older. Like I mean Ovi I mean Ovi scores fifty. He's gonna score fifty every year until he breaks Gretzky's record, I'm convinced. Yeah. Um but like Backstrom's Backstrom's look not great the last few years. Oshie keeps getting banged up. You know, that's an older team. They don't they don't have hot prospects coming up. Like Connor McMichaels, you know, hasn't really had the opportunity to jump Connor in there yet. Connor McMichaels, but... be Jesus. All these Connor McSomethings coming into the league, Joseph. Faith and Bagara, Polly. Get him in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, they don't have saviors coming. Caps don't have like young guys coming to, coming to, to save the day because they've been picking at the bottom of the, the first round forever. And then if they haven't picking, been picking in the first round, they've been trading those picks away. So... You know, but like looking for those weak spots, man, like but Pittsburgh, at least in, Washington, in, maybe Boston. I don't know. But like, I, I'm not going to bet against any of them. Like you get bet against Ovi. No, you got a bet against Sid. No, come on. No, and most of those guys, and we're going to get into it here real quick. Uh, just a quick overview of, 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 of the teams that are in. But last thing on the Sabres here. I mean, it is a clean slate for, for training camp next year. And Eichel mm-hmm. is in, in the rearview window. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they, you know, they, they, they pick a new captain here or they don't or whatever. And, um, you know, the front office here, Granado, and they can, you know, listening to you, it sounds good. It sounds positive. Hopefully Pagula state keeps his hands out of this and, and, and continues to let it run a course because this, this is where NHL teams somewhat have to go when, when your clock is cleaned as far as star power and huge contracts and all that other stuff, and you've got a nice little mix there of some good, talented um, players that they got from the trades, 
Um, you know, guys, Skinner and, and Oposo, if they hang around here, and, you know, even if the, the veteran goaltender like either Tokoska or Anderson stick around and help out with whoever they kind of can groom and bring up, I think it's the basis of building towards something with the hopes that maybe, yes, the Pittsburghs, the Bruins, the Capitals might kind of slide off a little bit and um, and give them a chance to, and, and to maybe hit that goal that you're looking for, you know, that 90-point plus season because you know it's a it's a competitive team mm-hmm. and i think a lot of the drama the drama that they've had to deal with not only these past couple of years but it just seems to have been one of these things in buffalo for the last 20 years mm-hmm. yeah and that's yeah, cra- it's crazy to think that right it really has it goes, it goes back to when hashik hashik demanded out i mean we like, could go on and on here from hashik to to drury and i mean just all the different uh, big personalities are going up there. The Evander Canes. I mean, there's been so mm-hmm. much going on up there. And this is really the first time going into next training camp here that it's like, it's like okay, we got prospects here. We got a couple of good kind of you know, kids to look at. And you have a, a coach that's actually done a pretty damn good job. And, and you mm-hmm. said, like I said, he's positive and he seems to be well-liked. And, and, and to hear a guy like you was on the ground up there say there's good things going on in Buffalo after all that this franchise has been through. That's great, man. Yeah. And you know what? My prediction, my prediction for predictions for next season is that Buffalo is going to be a pretty chic pick for people to be like, I think they get in, you know, cause they're going to look at They're going to see how this team's closed out the year. And like, you know, some of the wins might not look, you know, they, they beat up on Philly, they beat up on New Jersey, you know, they're beating up on these, you know, these ragtag bums you know, around the Eastern Conference. But like they've handled their business like they're not losing dumb games to these teams, you know, games that they've lost. You know, they look, you know, they, they drop lead. They lose leads to Carolina and Florida. Like, well, yeah, OK, of course you do. They're they're really good teams. Like you're going to you're going to get you're going to get yours against. Uh, they're going to get theirs against you no matter what. But like. You know, they they handled the Leafs really well this year, which everybody loves here very much. <laughs> they've handled their business very well. But like they've but like they've taken care of a lot of teams here. Like even going back to that, you know, the the Eichel return game, since that point, like they've they've done really, really well. Like I'm just gonna count up very quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've lost nine games since they beat Vegas on March tenth. So you know, like that's it's pretty solid. Like that's a pretty solid run for them. But, um, but you know, like these, you know, some of these loser teams are just not they're not taking it on the chin against them or dropping them for like you know a, taking a dumb loss against them. They've taken care of business. Like that's that's all you can ask for out of a team that's like looking to end the season on a on a high note. Like beat the teams you're supposed to beat and be competitive with the teams that maybe you're not going to beat. And they've done that. Like they, you know, the last time they got blown out was uh was against Tampa and they lost 5 nothing. You know, like they look they look like crap in that game, but like that was a that was a rough road trip. Like that four game road trip was at Carolina, at Florida, at Tampa, at and at Toronto. And the only game they won was at Toronto. So like, you know, like that, that happens. But like before they went on that trip, they beat Carolina. Like it was a home and home with the Hurricanes. They beat them. So like, they've done the, they've done it's their there. part. Yeah. It's 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 there. it's there. And you know what? Next season they're gonna have Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn scored at like a point and a half per game rate be in Rochester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's been dynamite. Uh, maybe. Maybe you see some J.J. Paterka. He's another guy scoring at a point point a game pace in Rochester. Um, he was like their what second round 
second round pick a couple years back, like that kid's going to be pretty good. Um, and you know, but like, as far as like anybody else coming up and out, that's pretty much it. Like mm-hmm. they don't, there's not too much else in the pipeline unless until you get those goalies. And if, when you get the goalies signed, there's, there's not a lot much really coming behind that soon. And that's okay too, because at least the yeah. coaching staff knows what they got. And it's, it's time to start getting these guys uh, acclimated to each other, uh, mm-hmm. work on the system, build on things. And again, almost like you said, just uh, starting from, you know, ground up and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all the Sabres can do. And it, Finishing up 24th or 25th or 23rd at the end of the season here. They're on their way back up, Joe. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's also crazy that 70, you know, 70, you know, 75 points could get you 24th in the league. Whereas like in the past, it seemed like that would get you near the bottom. Um, but like, you know, lucky for them, Arizona <laughs> and Montreal. Sometimes decided- a playoff spot. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Geez, no kidding. But like, you know, fortunately, you know, Montreal and uh, Arizona have been handing out W's to other teams like Candy. Ugh. So you know, like, we don't have enough time to go into that stuff. Yeah, Seattle too. I feel bad for Seattle, but yeah, like, don't feel bad for an expansion team. Uh, fine, France has liked... got that thing. Okay, I, uh, all right, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I. Hey, look, I man, I mean, like, you, you, could, you could, I mean, there's so many, we've obviously been a, a away from uh, taping here for, for a, a long time here, but, you know, seeing, like, Winnipeg, they, they never recovered from Maurice leaving. You know, you look at some of the storylines mm-hmm. here, Vigneault and Philly, right? Uh, just Boudreaux, the Canucks, you know, that whole mm-hmm. thing that went down. Uh, look at the Isles and the Habs, just total nosedives. You know, yeah. I don't care what excuses it is. This and that, but um, you know, I don't think anybody, especially nobody, would have not had the aisles in the playoff mix uh, this season here. But um, you know, it is what it is. A couple of last things I want to get to here with you, Joe, before I let you go is um, you know maybe just your thoughts on, on maybe who won the trade and deadline. You know, as far as you know, where where the teams have kind of settled up here in the playoffs, and and I know we've got a couple of the matchups set up for uh, the playoffs. I don't want to get into predictions right now. But just to run through uh, the 16 teams that are in and, and maybe just kind of, you know, a little bit of your early take on on how things have played out in terms of uh, the teams that have made it in. Um, it's it's hard to hate anything Florida's done. Um, Florida's done just about everything right. Um, I think I'm trying to think back trade deadline, man, like it's <laughs> feels like it feels like forever ago. But no, like they they balanced out their defense. Uh, you know, they added Ben Sharrett. Um Who's the other guy they added? As far as the back line, you know, yeah, Giroux coming in, and yeah, oh yeah, geez, Claude Giroux, geez, yeah, like you add guys like that, like that's really good. I mean, Florida didn't really need too much else. Like they've gotten such great play from basically everybody in the lineup. But you add a Giroux, you add a Charlotte, you add, you know, you you bring these guys in. Robert Hag from 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 Buffalo, they brought him in, like. That's a solid defensive guy. Um, they've done really, I mean, they've done so well, you know, Bob's played great all season. Like if, if he, if he gets hot, man, like Florida's going to go really far. And even Tad Florida. was bringing up too, that we forget to, uh, at times, but you know, Quinn, Quenville getting fired and the job Brunet's done. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Andrew, geez, Andrew Brunette has been dynamite. Like it's like seamless. Like it's, it's, I don't even, I, I don't know if his system is like, you know, a uh, copy of what Quenville's done, but like, 
I don't think it matters. Like, I whatever, think, he's, I, I was whatever he's doing, the, he's pulling the right switches. Yeah, and I was saying at the tab too, Joe, that I think that really reflects more on the team. Mm-hmm. That they were able to kind of seamlessly just continue to play. Yeah. You know, on the, on the Brunette, maybe he didn't maybe have to just change too much. I think the fact that they kind of just, they've, you know, the maturity on that team. Yeah. You know, with the Barkovs and the Hubados and everything else and, and mm-hmm. um, just seeing these guys and Duclair and everything else, it's it's going to be fun to watch these guys now. I mean, <laughs> there's always the potential now, right? Oh, they get knocked out in the first round. And then all, you know, because it could happen. Mm-hmm. But that's it always happens. Right? <laughs> right. Like, jeez. Yeah, imagine, you know, Florida plays, uh, they end up playing the Caps in the first round and it's like, I don't know. <laughs> You want to deal with Ovi in the first round, man? Like I don't know. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the really the team I want to deal with. I mean, maybe it is because they've been so scatterbrained, you know, the last couple of months. But like, I don't know. That's that's the team that won the cup in the last five years. I don't I don't know if I want to see them. Like that's that's not that's my not my ideal first round opponent if I'm them. But like, neither's Boston, neither's Pittsburgh. Like I don't I wouldn't want to see any of those teams in the first round. But too bad you're going to see one of them. Yep. That's that's how that goes. You know, same you know, Carolina, same thing. You want it like you know, they might get Boston, they might get they, imagine they get Tampa in the first round. Holy jeez. Like get out of my face with that. Like that would be crazy. Like that's that's the last team those teams want to see, especially Carolina with Freddie. Freddie's banged up, which you know, it's become kind of a regular thing. Yeah. You know, getting down to the end of the season. But I mean, they're they're talking about having uh what Kochkov is the rookie goalie you're talking about maybe having him start the first few games of the playoffs and it's like ooh well, who played last, was it kid named Thompson I think played last night against some uh Rangers is that it uh, uh bu- 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 was it What's today what is today Joe I I, I, I today's I, the twenty eighth of April yes it is <laughs> okay so last night oh I'm sorry that was Rangers played Canadians but they played the uh, Florida the other night there I was just trying to think uh. Oh, Florida! They probably Florida probably had Spencer Knight going for him. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, I don't, I don't think there was Thompson Jonas Johansson was in the net for Montreal. I'm sorry, my bad. Uh, uh, Thompson was a kid for Vegas. I Thompson think. was a kid for Vegas last night in the shootout. That's why I have yeah, Thompson yeah. on the brain last night. <laughs> Woo! Bali, it's that it's that time of year where our brains. I know. Are it's, I got paper and apps out here, and I'm just trying to run over the thing and stuff. But uh, you know, uh, just to get back to the trade, uh, Tampa. Obviously, I mean, when you look in the East here, you know, Florida made some big trades there. Tampa made a couple of really good solid trades. The Rangers mm-hmm. obviously brought in uh, some other components there. Yeah. You know, even uh, the you know the the Leafs every year they try and bring in that guy at the end of his career to try and help out the young flashy stars. Yeah. And Giordano's that guy this year. We'll see what happens. Um, and then again, like I said, you have the veterans there in, in Pittsburgh and Boston and Washington who just wouldn't go away. Uh, mm-hmm. Caroline did a couple of things. I mean, the East is just going to be one hell of a uh, first round. And, and now you, you, you look over at the West here, too. Obviously, all the pressure's on Colorado. You know, yeah. Minnesota's a fun team to look forward to. St. Louis still has some of that championship pedigree in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll be all right. Uh, you know, Edmonton, man, if they go out in the first round, what happens in Edmonton after this season? I mean, the Kings get in with the old guard here and a nice mix of the young yeah. kids, but they're in. If Quick stays, you know, Quick could change the series there. Dallas, and, and fair play to Nashville and Dallas. I mean, more Nashville than anything we're getting in there. And then you got that sleeping giant, which is the Calgary Flames and the job that Sutter's yeah. done there. So they made some great trades early, Joe, too. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I loved – I liked Minnesota getting Marc-Andre Fleury. I didn't really love it. 
I mean, I, they needed they needed a little bit of security in that. Um, but Cam Talbot's played a great season, and you know they go out and get Flurry, and now he's the backup, and it's like, how, you know, how pissed are you if you're Cam Talbot? It's like, geez, like <laughs> I, I was doing this, guys. You go and bring in Flurry. Like, I mean, you can't get mad at Flurry. Flurry's the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, like, you can't get mad about that. But also, like. You know, it's like, dude, come on. Like, really? Like, you going to do me like that? Like, that's that's not cool. <laughs> the great but, Tom uh, Petty song, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Cam Talbot's uh, theme song right now. Don't do me like that. But, geez. I, I, but, but Minnesota's got their hands full with St. Louis first round. Good Lord. Like, that's that's an unenviable first round matchup. Two, uh, it's two teams that might have over 110 points. Yeah. Playing in the first round. Like, yeah. Good lord! And like, and one of them's gonna end up playing, probably Colorado. It's assuming mm-hmm. you know that Colorado gets past, you know, whether it's uh, Nashville or Dallas or whoever uh, in the first round. But like, ooh, you know, like, I, I mean, you're talking about a, what could be like a Western Conference final matchup in the second round. You yeah, know? like that's crazy. I, I mean, and Calgary. I mean, Calgary's having a great season. Calgary scares me because it's Sutter. You know, he's he's been there, done that. They play that style of hockey. They play nasty, too. Like, they got a, they got a, some hard-hitting dudes. You know, Kachuk's great. Uh, Manjapani's having a fantastic season. Uh, you know, all these dudes there, like, the defense is playing great. Markstrom's having a, a fantastic year in goal for them. So big, Yeah, big part of the story, yeah. That's a, that's a team that they would have short odds, I think, to win it all. But, like, I'd still, I'd, yeah, I'd still be like, yeah, no, I'd that's still a bet I'd probably make, you know, put a, put a saw buck down on the flames to win the cup final because yeah, it's, they, they could do it. Like everybody's going to be hot for Colorado and uh, I, trust me, I get it. Yep. <laughs> I get it. They, if Colorado doesn't get to the, at least the Western final this year, what do you do with them? Cause <sighs> it's two, it's two years in a row of being disappointed with them. And then I don't know. Like well, you have to think McKinnon and all those guys, I mean, tons of talent there. Um, mm-hmm. You know the coaching staff, everything else that they've done here. Sometimes you got to lose and 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 hurt real bad, like they did mm-hmm. going out to Vegas last year. Yeah. And sometimes that usually helps the team get to where they need to be. This is the year for Colorado to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. I still have this vision of Sutter hoisting the Stanley Cup and smirking in his yep. post game uh, <laughs> press conference afterwards too. Um, and I'd love to see the storybook seeing the uh, you know the the movie of, uh, you know, Calgary playing the Kings, you know, um, yeah. because Sutter coaching against his old players and stuff. But, um, you know, you bring it up too. Like I said, I just want to say, cause you know, you're talking about all these hundred point teams, you know, and I've, I've said on this show in, in the past too, like when Tampa won that, the, the summer tournament with no fans and they got locked oh, the, in the, the hotel, the bubble, and, the bubble cup, yeah, the bubble cup and everything. And I said, you know, that, that probably was the hardest Stanley cup, to win, and and you, mm-hmm. you'll never forget. Uh, I think it was Jamie Bean, and when Dallas lost that, you know, because they they all sacrificed so much. So coming out on the losing end of that, it was just devastating. And I'm sitting there going, you know, that's probably you know take all the seasons of the Stanley Cup. I think maybe that was the hardest one to win because there was no fans, you couldn't move, you know, the sacrifices they all made. And now here we are, and every team in the playoffs pretty much is going to have a hundred. I mean, these are super teams. These are. You know, I'll ask you that, Joe. Are they really super teams, or are the just the bad teams this year were just really that bad? 
Uh, I'm going to say the bad teams are really that bad. Okay. Um, uh, the, the, don't get me wrong. The teams are teams are. I mean, Florida's Florida's a wagon. Carolina's been great. Colorado's been fantastic. But I mean, the you know the 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 weaker thans are really weak. You know, I I feel bad saying that about like Anaheim because Anaheim started off so good, and you know they were top of the division for like the first month or so, and then it was just, you know things cooled off and then they went, you know, they went bye-bye. So like, I feel bad for that, but like they were bad second half of the year. Like they, you know, that's, was rough. You know, San Jose was pretty rough for the first half of the year. They, they've rebounded a little bit in the second half, but I don't know, man. And you know, Seattle, bad season, Arizona, awful, Montreal, awful, Philly, terrible <laughs> devils, devils, bad Ottawa, Ottawa, Detroit, Columbus, Buffalo, all mediocre. Like, <laughs> You know, they all had their spurts of like just looking like, you know, nothing teams, you know, mm-hmm. D- you know, Det- Detroit the last month or so has been has looked pretty putrid. I mean, they they, they got to figure out goaltending. And now they got Ned, but like, man, oh, man, it, you know, keep them healthy, you know, keep them out there. But like, you know, we already talked about Buffalo Columbus. I, to me, Columbus is the most surprising out of the bunch. You know, Islander Islanders were bad for like two months. You know, yeah. and then, you know, like they started, you know, the first month of the season on the road and that killed that killed their season. You this know, last it, week, though, is to me, it, I think it's more well, they, they've been mailed it in bad. Yeah, man. I mean, they got smoked by you know, they got smoked by the Sabres up here uh, last weekend and they weren't even competitive in that game. Yeah, and Joe, I didn't. Uh, to me, that's concerning. I didn't think that squad under that coach, Barry Trotz, would mm-hmm. end up. Really, like you just said, it mailed it in. I mean, it's one thing to that, that really that's a red flag to me for that team, mm-hmm. for that for, yeah. for that roster. And maybe it's maybe you know because you know obviously look they they did they got they got a raw deal with COVID and everything else blah blah mm-hmm. blah in the beginning of the season. But you take the excuses aside. How you finish up your season, and I think a lot of fans and, and, and analysts and guys like me and you will say, oh, well, you know what? This is a bad year. They've still got this amazing team. Look what they've done the last two playoff runs. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a brand-new building here. Um, there's there's the opportunity to, you know, Lou Lamorell, he'll fix this. It'll be fine. And I just did not expect to see this team really stink up the joint because they weren't playing like this. Two to three weeks ago, they were being mm-hmm. competitive. They 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 had a very very tiny tiny small chance of maybe getting into the playoffs. They were mm-hmm. trying, but they were playing like they were playing with pride. They were playing with um, uh, respect, I would say. And mm-hmm. then this last week and a half, something stinks. Yeah, in there, Joe. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they've lost what? They, well, until they won, they beat Washington the other night or yeah, the other night they lost five in a row and like, I'm looking at like, you know, they gave up four to Toronto. They lose an OT to the Panthers. Like, okay, you know, it's hard loss. They gave up six to the Rangers, five to the Sabres and five to Carolina. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, you know, it's, you know, it's what six, three, five, three, five, two losses, but like, you know, five, three to the Sabres is like, you know, a very average below average Sabres team gave, they, you know, Sabres were up like what, three, four, nothing in that game. And then the Islanders just like slowly crept back in. It was just kind of like, okay, well, that that's expected. But, um, but like for most of that game though, like they didn't have anything. They had nothing going on that game, and Varlamov's looked bad too. Like that's, you know, if it's not 
the forwards coming up small or the defense coming up small, it's Varlamov. Varlamov's had it really rough at the end of the season. And I, I don't know if that's just him, you know, having a rough go of it or if it's just he's, you know, you know, having one of those, you know, moments where it's just he's having a, you know, goalies have those 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 spans where it's just kind of like nothing nothing works. But even like Sorokin, Sorokin's had some tough games. He's had a great season. So I I don't know. There, there's something weird about that team. And I, 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 for the life of me, I can't put my finger on it. But I will say, though, that maybe Lou isn't the guy that should be directing that ship. <gasps> say it ain't so, true. I know. It's, uh, it's, what? it's a daring, it's a daring, daring thing to say. But I mean, I don't know, man. Like, the, the, you look at the way offense has opened up this season. The Isles are still playing like that, choke them down. Try to you know stuff everybody in the stuff everybody in a locker kind of. Well, defense. do you think that's more of a Lou issue or is that more of a Barry Trotz issue? That's both of them. All right. Has Lou ever ran a team you that didn't play here, that folks. style of hockey? Get rid of Joe, Louie, and Joe <laughs> and Barry. They're out of here. Like the the one team he didn't run that way that that played that style of hockey was the Leafs with Babcock. And Babcock played a version Ooh. of that, but like yeah, I know some guy who used to coach hockey, I guess. He's still making fifty million a year though. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like you know, that's but like that that was a team that had like elite offensive talent. You can't keep that down. You can't bottle them up. You can't keep them tied down. But um, but I mean, like this isn't you know that style of hockey ain't what works, man. Like that, you're gonna get your doors blown off more often than not, unless you, unless you play it perfect. And you get a lot of help from the officiating to to, to let you let you get away with a lot of crap, you know. And like I get it, Isles are built that way for the playoffs, but you've got to get there. Yeah. Like, you play that style of hockey in the playoffs, you're gonna have a lot of success. Hell, they've shown it the last two years. Like you make the East final, like that's how that's how that's what happens. But um, but like to get through a whole season playing that way, it's really difficult, especially you know. You throw in the injuries, the COVID, the, you know, the road trip, blah, 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 blah. Like all that stuff didn't help. But like, look how he rounded out this team this year. He, he brings in Parise, who only just started finding the net like what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then Chara, who's, you know, he's on the, you know, he's on the, like the last ride yep. for, you know, for his career. So it's like, I don't know, man, like those, those are the guys you're, you're looking to add to a team that wanted, that had designs on going to the, the Stanley Cup. No, it's weird. And they got a great like that's the other thing. Like, they get a great season out of Brock Nelson. It's going to waste. Like and also he's the only guy scoring goals for them. Yeah, like, well there's like I said, uh, guys like Barzell here and um uh Bovillier and you know you can go up and down there and stuff and you know you bring up those those games there that how they got uh, all those goals scored. I mean they're they've been touting their defense and the, the back end of their defense, you take Char out of that, that but uh Pulak and Pellick, I mean, they didn't play full seasons. Yeah. So they should. Yeah, they have had, well they both had bad injuries like that. Yeah. You know, they had they were out for like weeks at a time, like separately. Oh, the good thing, Joe is it's not our problem, Joe. That's right. That's right. Well, here's the other thing with the Isles: <laughs> Noah Dobson comes out of nowhere, having a fantastic year. Yeah. Like, okay, but like nobody's noticing, nobody cares because the Isles, like, they're just they've just been irrelevant since you know like what January. Oh, don't don't let the Isles fans hear you say that. Joe. Listen. I know. Listen, listen. Keep it down, Paulie. Paulie, don't you say a word. <laughs> I, they can hear you better there. That's why I'm whispering. They don't hear me outside the studio. Thank you. <laughs> you know my brother Sean to hear that. You don't want to hear. You don't want to hear that. Crap. He's he's gonna listen. He's gonna he's gonna tell me. 
too much. All right, pal. Look, uh, it's been a while, but it's uh, we made up for it today, brother. It's great talking yeah. to you and seeing you again, and uh, we'll pick this thing up uh, back again next week, and maybe we'll do something earlier in the week if we can, trying to uh, before the actual playoff series, uh, you know, start here and stuff. But Joe, great to see you. Great talking again, and. Uh, between Vegas, Buffalo, and, and what's happening here in, in both conferences. I think it sets up for uh, a great uh, May coming up, brother. It's going to be great. Yeah, postseason. Playoffs are always the best. Playoffs are always fun. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be really interesting this year, though. This is the timing for us to come back, right, THS? We're back for Absolutely. This is the best times, right? We're, we're built for the playoffs. Absolutely, Joe. That's <laughs> You know it. All right, buddy. Have a great weekend, man. We'll catch up with you next week, okay? You got it, Paulie. Take care, pal. Joe Yarn, ladies and gentlemen. The great city of Buffalo right here on THS. Woohoo! All right, that's a wrap. We're back. And again, I think what we're going to try and do is hopefully move the show up a little bit next week to maybe coincide with uh, some uh, predictions and stuff that we can get stuff in before the playoff series starts. Um, I want to thank all you guys coming back and, and, and listening, subscribing, and all that other stuff. And I want to thank Tab and Joe uh, for coming back here with me today. Uh, great to see and talk to those guys as well. All right, you guys, uh, enjoy the last weekend of the regular season here. For uh, all you fans, teams ain't making it in. That's the breaks, baby. It's the breaks. But uh, you have the offseason and all the other good stuff to look forward to. And it won't be too long. May, June, July, August, September. You have five months. Training camp will start up again. But um, anyway, the playoffs are upon us. THS is back. We're back for it. Best time of the year as far as uh, hockey fans and watching the playoffs and all that stuff. So again, for Joe, for Tim, and for Steve, and Costa, we'll be coming back next year. We miss you too, buddy. And myself personally, thanks so much for listening to THS. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Enjoy the last games of the regular season. And get ready for the playoffs. THS is out. Keep your head up, baby.